But now, now we're going to talk about the debt ceiling proposal. Uh, the problems with the debt ceiling proposal. We talked about the debt ceiling last episode, but there was a really big problem or a number of problems that sort of flew over my head. So now I want to address those because the deal, while it was nice in principle, these problems essentially ruined the deal. They ruined the deal because the debt ceiling as of now is a date instead of a hard number. Instead of saying, oh, we're going to increase the debt ceiling by a hundred billion or a trillion dollars. We're going to increase the debt ceiling by some tangible number that you can say, okay, we've reached the debt limit. Instead of doing that, the debt ceiling is that you can raise the debt as much as you want until January of 2025. That's the debt limit, January of 2025. So whatever the debt is by January of 2025, that's the new debt ceiling. So essentially, the debt can go up by a, a virtually unlimited amount for a whole year and a half before even having another discussion about it. Because it's been approved. It's that, that's the deal. You've worked it out already. And once it gets passed, you're going to have a mess on your hands. And of course, the Democrats are going to say yes to this deal. Only a handful of Republicans are objecting to it. They're trying to make a new proposal as we speak. But this is ridiculous. You're going to you're gonna give them a blank check for a year and a half to a government that is $31 trillion in debt? That does not make any sense. That doesn't make any sense at all. You have no limits on spending. Like, we already went over how it, it said that the, the current budget was going to remain the same. Except for the military, the military was going to be, they didn't say that for the military, it was going to be allowed to expand and we said as much. But the budget is one thing. Keeping the budget the same is nice. But if you can just raise the debt, if you can just borrow money the second you reach your limit in terms of your budgetary constraints, then there's no point in having a budget. If you're just going to borrow money the second you over. The second you reach your limit on the budget, you just borrow money. Then you don't have a budget. You just have a meaningless number. And that's what we have here. We have incentivized the continuation of our government treating its budget as a meaningless number that, oh, whoops, we went over it. Oh, I guess we'll just borrow $100 billion. That's what we have. Like, for example, and to sort of start to visualize what I'm in here, if you cut spending by 1 trillion but raise the debt ceiling by 2 trillion then the deficit can still go up by 2 trillion dollars cuz sure as a matter of fact the deficit can go up by 3 trillion dollars cuz you've cut spending by 1 trillion but you've raised the debt limit by 2 trillion so well actually yeah, it goes up by two trillion. My mistake. But that's if you have a hard number. See, if your debt limit is a date instead of a hard number, you can cut spending by one trillion, and then the government would just borrow the trillion that they don't have, and then raise, and then go another two trillion in debt. Now you have three, three trillion dollars added to the deficit because you had no upper limits on how high the debt could go. 
before you had accountability, before you stopped raising the debt limit. And by doing this, you negate the purpose of spending cuts. Like if I have, if, if I bring in like a thousand dollars a week, right? I bring in a thousand dollars a week. I spend all of it every week. And then I whip out my credit card and spend another thousand dollars every week with the credit card is me cutting a hundred dollars off of my expenditures gonna mean anything if i just pay for those expenditures with the credit card if i if i say i'm not gonna use my debit card right i bring in a thousand dollars it's on my debit card right i go to the gas station it's a hundred dollars to fill up on gas. Oh my God. And I say, you know what? I'm not going to spend that money. I'm going to be responsible. And then I turn around and use my credit card to pay for the gas instead of my debit card. Have I really cut my spending or have I just added more debt? I've added more debt. That, that, that's what this allows. And if I cut my subscription to Amazon, to Netflix, to Disney Plus, to Hulu, to HBO Max, or what do they call it, or Max as they call it now, so goofy, I could cut all my all my uh, subscriptions easily, a hundred dollars saved. Does that mean anything? If with my credit card I'm adding something else that costs a hundred dollars, and I'm using the credit card to pay for it? no. I've, I've done nothing other than make the debt go up faster now. Because now I'm, I'm just borrowing the difference in what I've s technically saved. I'm spending the same amount of money, but I'm using, uh, I'm using the credit card for a larger portion of my expenditures. The debt goes up faster now. It's, it's, uh, it defeats the purpose of the deal. If you're just going to allow the debt to go up until January of 2025 and it's not like they're going to stop it then we know dang well they're not going to sit down and have an intervention and say okay guys this debt thing is really out of control who, who even knows what number we're going to be at by that point like, that's a year and a half we we could easily at the rate we're going we could easily be at four trillion oh, i said four trillion oh my goodness that'd be a miracle we, we could easily be at 4d trillion dollars by january of 2025 we could easily be at 40 trillion, maybe even above that. What are we going to do? We're just going to sit here looking goofy for the next year and a half. Like, what is this? You negate the purpose of spending cuts. If you can just borrow the difference. Like, cause if you're going to print the money, cause it's not just that you're borrowing money, right? It's that you're borrowing it from the central bank for us. That's the federal reserve. So that means you're not just borrowing the difference. You cut a trillion, but you raise the debt ceiling from two trillion to three trillion. So you can spend the exact same amount of money that you were going to spend, but you can say that you've cut your budget. It's not just that you're borrowing the money, you're borrowing it from a central bank, the Federal Reserve, which means that that money gets printed, which devalues the dollar. That's inflation. That's what inflation is. The expansion of the money supply that drives the cost of everything else up because when you have a large supply of something the value of it 
goes down if the demand doesn't change. The demand for dollars isn't going up. If anything, the demand for dollars is actually declining around the world. Hell, the demand for dollars is declining in the United States because people are diversifying. People are afraid that the dollar is losing value too fast. So now that people are buying gold and silver, people are looking at Bitcoin, people are looking at stocks and how to get in on the insider trading. People looking at foreign exchange. People are looking at ways of protecting their wealth because of the inflation. So demand for dollar is down everywhere. But you're expanding the supply of them. That's a recipe for inflation. The expansion of the money supply beyond its demand. Meaning we'll be printing even more money as the expenditure stays exactly the same as it was last year because you're just you're just going to borrow more money oh whoops we we went over budget by 100 billion dollars we're going to borrow oh we went over by another 100 we're going to borrow it oh up oh, we did it again oh we did it again uh and then it's january 2025 and it's like we're just going to be look, sitting here looking goofy with a 50 trillion dollar tab and it's like okay guys this this debt thing is really out of control we really have to get this under control i, I can stop whenever i want i can stop when <laughs> that that's what we sound like right now that's what we look like uh, a, a drug addict except the drug is debt we're addic addicted and we keep saying that we're going to do something about it we keep saying and promising to do something about it and then it just keeps getting better because there's no systemic should I say change or no systemic mechanism? There's no mechanism in the laws that we pass in these bills and these appropriations to force that to happen. There's no leverage that is being applied to force that outcome. And so that outcome doesn't happen. Like the US and to give you a, a, a more slightly more in-depth picture here, the US had just about a 4.9 trillion dollar revenue in 2022 but a total expenditure of 6.3 trillion dollars meaning the deficit was just under 1.4 trillion dollars if we were to cut revenue by 1 trillion dollars and I'm, I'm just saying that the revenue is spent because it obviously is if we're the debt keeps going up if we have a, a, a deficit so you spend all of your revenue, right? But if we cut the revenue by $1 trillion, so now it's 3.9 instead of 4.9 trillion, you cut the revenue by 1 trillion and keep your expenses at the same level. Cause it's not like they're gonna actually stop spending money on things. They're, they're, gonna, they're gonna keep paying for all the things. They're just gonna lower the number of money that they're actually bringing in. Cause they, they've kept the budget the same, your revenue kept the budget the same, but the expenditures are continuously allowed to grow in size. Meaning, sure, you cut your spending by a trillion dollars. But if your expenses stay the same, uh, $6.3 well, now you have a deficit of $2.4 instead of the $1.4 that you had before. This deal, while it was nice in principle and it had some very, very promising things in it, and uh, 
the the MAGA Republicans, they they will have to redeem. You see, this is why you view your politicians with a great grain of salt, and actually look, actually look. But this deal, while it was nice in principle, the idea that we were going to get a little, just the slightest hint of some accountability for all this spending, it was very nice. But that the one provision has ruined the entire deal and made it worthless. Because it's nice that you have these spending cuts. It's nice that you have these budget cuts. But what is the point of that if you can just expand the debt infinitely? Because there's no limit. They could expand the money supply by $4 trillion tomorrow if they wanted to. And then they'd still have a year and a half to expand the money supply. And hyperinflate our currency. They have a whole year and a half under this deal if it gets passed. It hasn't been passed just yet, or at least uh, it's it's where it's getting there. Uh, I imagine it'll pass soon because I don't see what the resistance is going to be to it. But what's the incentive to actually make these things meaningful if you can just borrow the difference? And this is the problem with modern monetary theory. This is the problem with central banks in general, where you have a, a central institution printing all this money. Well. Now you have people who don't know what they're doing. And even if they did know what they're doing, they don't need that much power. Nobody needs that kind of power. I mean, I'm a small government guy. That's not limited to the, the central bank. I'm of the opinion that we don't need a central bank, to be honest with you. We don't, need, we don't need that. You can have a number of regional banks. And hell, you can let them all print the currency. They can all print dollars. And then you'll have a market. <laughs> you'll have a market for dollars. When there's a demand for dollars, everyone's going to be in to try to pump up the supply. And if there's not, well, you're going to be, there's the dollar supply is just going to stay there until the supply catches up. At the very least, then you, you'll have a fluctuation, but you'll have a relatively stable market price for the dollar. Now you could do that, or you could have the U.S. Treasury come in. They could issue the currency, but the currency is backed by gold. That's something else I support. As a matter of fact, I, I would support that more because I want the gold. I want our currency backed by something solid. But what we have today is fiat currency, where the, it's backed up by confidence. It's backed up by confidence. And that is just such a silly thing to say. You're, you're going to back the currency up by confidence. Okay. Okay, buddy. <laughs> it. That's... That's the problem with our current economic system, our current monetary system specifically. It incentivizes bad behaviors by our government and by our institutions, bad spending behaviors, because the, the bad spending can be accounted for by more bad spending. You can just take out a bigger and bigger loan. There's no upper limit on how much money they can take out. We need. There's no check and balance. The system of checks and balance is broken by the central banks. We have no upper limit on how much debt we can have. We only we don't have upper limits on how much taxes you can levy. I think we need some upper limits on these things. But for the time being, it looks like we're not going to get those. We're not going to get those for the time being. For the time being. Although we might see we might see cuz the Republicans again, they, these MAGA Republicans, they do have promise, all right? 
completely withdraw my support for them, but they do have some promise. Again, they they were the ones talking about balanced budgets, namely Rand Paul. They they did force McCarthy to do something useful, so I gotta give them the credit where credit's due. And they are the ones who introduced a re pegging of the dollar to gold, the gold standard uh, restoration act. A lovely act that I would love, I would absolutely love to see come to fruition. And you have major political commentators talking about the abolition of the Fed and the Fed and interest rates and inflation uh, from other people. Everyone's eyes are on the Fed and the interest rate and on the inflation. With all this going on and a number of the correct solutions being put out there, we might see on the other side of this a removal of the Federal Reserve altogether. Because as inflation hits people, they're going to look for the problem. And eventually they're going to get past the Putin inflation, Putin's price hikes thing. That can only last for so long until people start to point the finger at their own government, specifically the Federal Reserve, printing money. And that actually might just be a, a side effect of allowing these people a blank check until conveniently after the 2024 election cycle concludes and the new Congress and the new president comes in. And I say new president because I don't think it's going to be Biden. Oh, get this guy up out of here. So perhaps this is a, a political move. That's another possibility. But for the time being, we're all going to pay the price for that political move. And uh, if it, if, if, if they hold through to the night, hold through the night, and they, and these MAGA Republicans come out on the other side talking about fiscal responsibility, they might just win the day. They might. They might. America is on track. America is, in, is on track towards public sentiment being very much in favor of these things. In fact, there were a couple polls that come out, but I, I, don't, really like talk, I don't really like to talk about polls too much on the podcast because ultimately polls are unreliable. The results of elections uh, these days are questionable, but I, I have to go with the results of an election more than I can with a poll. But on the other side of all this, we might see the removal of the Federal Reserve. Now imagine that. Um, in America with sound money, that would mean much higher buying power for Americans and American business, which itself is a wombo combo that would facilitate the rebirth of America and a massive growth, mind you, of U.S. industrial and manufacturing capacity. We could import the raw materials we needed for our industries and a strong dollar that could purchase more abroad as well as at home would mean that it would be cheaper for them to do so. And it would mean that Americans would be able to buy the finished goods produced by American businesses and industries, making America itself a massive and thriving market for American goods. And even a lot of goods pr produced from around the world would be a massive, massive market, perhaps an even bigger one than we are now, just by way of expanding our buying power with a strong dollar. These are potentially positive developments that I see could come as a backlash, as a response to the debt crisis that we're about to have. Uh, and the hyper, it, will it be hyperinflation or will it just be really, really bad inflation? I think it'll be really, really bad inflation. Well, I'll, we'll have to wait to make that determination because hyperinflation is, you have a trillion dollars to buy <laughs> a loaf of bread, but really bad inflation. We're on track for that, but I think the response to these problems that are going to come our way 
is actual fiscal responsibility, sound money. That's going to be very beautiful. It's going to have some very good uh, effects on this country. Granted, we're probably going to have to wait until after the second Great Depression hits to get there. But then we'll be looking at a positive feedback loop for the economy, which will accelerate our economic recovery. So it is possible that something good might come out of all this drama that we see today. It is possible. This segment was taken from my podcast, This Week in Geopolitics. I have new episodes every Monday, so if you like what you heard, consider giving me a follow. Thanks for listening, and hopefully I'll see you next time. Servus.